Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It. We are so glad you're back. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, today we are talking about... Uh, <laughs> oh, poor Megan. Uh, <laughs> Someone has very determinedly leaf blowing outside Meg's window and has been for like 20 minutes and we're just going to go with it. So if you hear weird stuff in the background, that's what it is. <laughs> this is TV edition, and we're doing the 1999 TV show Roswell that aired on the WB, which is what it was back in the day. Yesteryear's CW. So we are on episode seven, and it is called River Dog. Right? I'm saying that right? Yep. Okay. Is that how we introduce everything else? Uh, nope. Nope. I skipped. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. My name is Megan, and I should be drawing storyboards. But instead... But instead... We're doing a podcast! We're doing a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is... Season 1, Episode 7, it's called River Dog, um, and we just watched it. It's been a minute since we've gotten together to do a recording, and Meg has promised that she's going to be 100% focused today. I don't think I made that promise. <laughs> um, so we've recent, I've recently been reading um, the McElroy Brothers book about podcasting, and Meg, what were some of the things oh, I shared with hey, you? Hey, hey. Uh, where'd you get that book? Oh, well, guess what? My cool sister got it for me for Christmas. Me. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some of the things that you shared with me is you shouldn't be eating or drinking while you're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should set aside time to be doing only the podcast. I can't remember. You told me like a list of five things, but those are the only two I remember. Those are the most important things. Okay. <laughs> what are the other things I should... Wait. No, you can't just give away the McElroy secrets for free. Hey, everybody, you should order your own copy of... Everybody has a podcast except you. It's full of great stuff. Very good. No, very much. informative. And it's very enjoyable. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you can cut that <laughs> out, right? So listen, I'm not eating or drinking on the podcast, but I did excessively eat and drink just before it started. I was chomping on some taquitos all the way through watching the episode. All right, let's dive in and get started. Are you ready, Megan? I'm ready. All right, so where we ended the last episode is they found Atherton's house. Atherton's? Atherton. Atherton's. Allerton's. Somebody's house. And they drove out to the middle of nowhere in the desert. Uh, people started believing in Michael. They found the secret room. What? Poor Michael. Poor Michael. I thought you were laughing at me. <laughs> no, there's, there's a bit in the previously on where um, Liz says to Max, she's like, oh, you may not show it, but this information, I guess it means just as much to you as it does to Michael, doesn't it? I'm like, no, it doesn't. If it meant that much to him, they wouldn't yell at Michael all the time for investigating it. Well, they found the house. They found the secret entrance, only to realize that the sheriff has been following them. 
And Miss Topolsky, who is an FBI agent, um, she roundhouse kicks the sheriff in the back of the head, knocks him out, I'm and like, she's much shorter than he is. So she had to kick so high to get him. So high. But the last episode ended with them in the secret room under the floor, wondering who was going to find them. And Meg wasn't ready for that uh, that cliffhanger. So now we're back watching the actual episode. I didn't like this one. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, it's it's it did more in like, you know, uncovering the mystery of the show, but just a lot of really awkward and uncomfortable moments, especially in how the show is depicting uh, Native Americans. And there were some actual racist jokes put in there at like the expense of the characters and I just didn't like it. Plus and on a much smaller didn't like note. So so what I just mentioned, that's the big did not like note. But the smaller one is everybody's pairing up now. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff and Miss Topolsky are having like an enemies to lovers flirt fest. And then, um, because they're not ready to have our two lead characters kiss yet, uh, Michael and Maria have a little kiss at the end. And through the whole episode, I'm like, don't kiss her. <gasps> Was that the don't first kiss? kiss? Her. Yeah. Was that the first kiss of the whole episode, the whole series? Yeah. Nobody's kissed yet. I didn't appreciate yet. it as much as I should have in the moment. Well, okay. So there's an... an uh, we'll talk about it in order, but pretty early on in the episode, Liz and Kyle are talking somewhere and they're talking about their first kiss. And I'm like, okay, this is Chekhov's first kiss here. There's going to be a kiss in this episode. And so like I had my eye out looking for it and the, there's a bit where Max and Liz get real close to it because their foreheads are just like resting on each other. And I'm like, that seems even more intimate than kissing. They're talking with their foreheads pressed against each other. She's got um, an amulet we'll talk about. She has an amulet around her neck and he's pulling her by like the cord of the amulet. And I'm like, okay. This, and they keep looking at each other's mouths. And I'm like, is it going to be them? Nope, wasn't them. Somebody else won the kiss lottery this round. What did you think of the episode, Emily? Um, I thought it was paced really weird. Like, all of a sudden it was over, and and it wasn't set up with a normal... Like, stuff happened in the episode, but once it just ended so suddenly, mm-hmm. there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot. Like, all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, what was the point of this episode? Like, we yeah. find out a little bit more, but not really anything happens yeah um well i mean stuff happens but it's not like hey listen i didn't go to art school i didn't go to film school (laughs) but all of a sudden like there was a something happened and i look up and the credits are rolling and i was like wait that was it like it felt really short too it was it was only a 40 minute episode um, okay, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm staring at the TV going, when is this going to be over? <laughs> because like you said, it was paced out really strangely. Um, so we have several story arcs that are going on in this episode. We have Michael and Maria, uh, the follow-up of their emotional road trip, trying to figure out how they feel about each other. 
we have, uh, funnily enough, it felt like this this episode should have had less of the kids in it and more of Miss Topolsky. Um, because now we know Miss Topolsky's an FBI agent. We have scenes with her boss, Richard Schiff, just screaming at her over the phone to get her job done. And then we have her uh, scenes with the sheriff who is on to Miss Topolsky because he woke up from getting knocked out and saw her in the in the house. So that I feel they should have leaned into that for their main storyline. However, Miss Topolsky is not our main character. It's the kids. And so we start in the house. We get a bunch of stuff from the house, including uh, an amulet that Isabel grabs and the there's a symbol on it. It's it's broken too. It's like there's a piece at the bottom that snapped off. Um, the symbol's important to Isabel. She realizes it's something she and Max knew from when they were kids, and like Michael ends up recognizing it too. Someone breaks into there into Max and Isabel's house and ransacks the house, steals a bunch of their stuff, uh, like normal housebreaking stuff, like the like TV, they take and the TV and radio it. and stuff. Uh, I've said stuff too many times. And they also take the box of papers that they stole from the house. Clearly, this was the FBI lady Mm -hmm. trying to cover it up. And Sheriff is there being all like, oh, no, your house got broken into. That's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what he also does? Wait, 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 stop. Guess what he also does? Oh, he has an inappropriate interview with minors without an adult present? With no parents. And guess who calls him on it? Their parents. Their parents. Wow. Turns out you're not supposed to talk like that. But then he gaslights her instantly and being like, you know, sometimes the smallest, most mysterious details can be important in an investigation. And their mom backs off and she's like, oh, okay, Sheriff, I guess you're right. And it's like, no. But anyway, that's in like the first 10 minutes of the episode. There's still like a bunch more. The deputy who's there says something to Isabel that he recognizes. And so the deputy who I don't think has a name yet. They No, he is the one who um shows up when Michael breaks into the UFO center and no. points the gun straight at him. Yeah, we've seen him several times. He's like the only recurring uh he's the only recurring actor of color. He is Native American on the show, but I don't think they've given him a name yet. They just call him deputy. And in fact, Isabel just refers to him as that deputy, you know, the Native American one. And I'm like, it's a small town. You you don't. <laughs> it's a small town. And Liz dated the sheriff's son. I mean, they would know who the deputy is, right? Anyway, he mentions that he has seen jewelry like that when he grew up on the reservation outside of town. And so... Liz goes to the reservation to get some answers. She meets a couple people there. She goes back to work. Someone from the reservation, Eddie, comes to her work and is like, hey, you met, you know, she she met someone on the reservation. His name is River Dog. And Eddie's like, River Dog has more information for you. And so her and Max go back out to the reservation again. And there are led to a cave with alien writing in it. And... River Dog tells us that um, back in the 50s, he knew someone like Max, like Michael, like like our aliens, um, who may or may not have murdered Atherton. 
and bam, the episode's over. And I'm like, oh, wait, and, and there's also this subplot with the mayor and Miss Sapolsky, and there's the subplot with Max and Marie. Anyway, yeah, circling back to what Emily said, this episode was paced very strangely, structured very strangely. So the episode before this, where it ends on such a cliffhanger, was awesome. It was great. But I feel like they could have kept the last episode going longer. Mm-hmm. Like with the kids getting out, taking all the files, driving away right as Miss Topolsky pops up out of the tunnel everybody crawled out of. And that would have given us five to seven extra minutes to maybe wrap, like give us more story for this episode seven. And like the box of papers that they steal from this house instantly stolen like they don't even get a chance to look through it i don't know if they found pictures if it was writing if it was drafts of atherton's book it was just like a MacGuffin box of oh no all of the information we don't know what the information is and then also when the uh richard schiff leader of the fbi is yelling at miss topolsky through the phone while she's trying to do her tai chi while she's talking to her very angry boss um he wants to know what the kids took from that house, but, like, we had no proof. Like, I don't think they had any way of knowing that the kids would have taken something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had seen, instead of this conversation happening between the two of them over the phone in separate locations, I would have liked to see both of them with the rest of the FBI team at the Atherton house going through the remains because I feel like this would be a big find for the FBI as well and saying that oh some of these papers are clearly missing or that look this area has been trampled and it wasn't our text that did it I don't know that 285 south was like a cool location and I wish I wish that it was weighted more heavily when we got so close to having answers not only did they get taken away from us but the FBI now has all the answers mm-hmm and the kid, do the kids know it's Miss Topolsky up there? Do they they know don't. Who? No. Okay. But the, the knocked out sheriff um, wakes up from being knocked out for a second and sees it's her. But then he lies back down on the ground and pretends to be unconscious some more. Um, because she's able to find, remember in the last episode, they use a key to open it. Miss Topolsky finds it and she, she lockpicks it, finds the trap door. Um and as she crawls through the tunnel, which good job for the kids for having a presence of mind to grab everything they could. She crawls through this tunnel after him and pops up as their Jeep swings around. That Jeep is very recognizable. I feel like if they'd known it was Miss Topolsky, they might have realized, like, there's no way we got away with this. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I was expecting, actually, this whole time for the sheriff to call Maria back into the office being like, why did your car get stopped on the border of Texas and yeah. New Mexico? Yeah, and so so all of the things that we've had leading up to this, basically all of the, the things that everyone has discovered so far, it's all sort of shoved out of the way, and this amulet becomes all important. We got all of these other potential materials that could help explain the mystery, but it's almost like they had too much information. So it's like, okay, we've got three steps forward. We have to knock them like one step back. Um, But like you said, it feels like the sheriff has way more information that he could go on. Kyle, I thought, was going to play a bigger part in this episode. 
because Kyle was a pretty big part of the road trip episode. The sheriff has more secret files that he doesn't keep in official filing cabinets at all. I don't know how many. Okay, so here's my question. Um, like, we're, we're it's kind of confirmed later, but when he pulls up, because there is this stock, I'm going to say stock photo. It's a stock photo for the show of a body in a morgue with a silver handprint on it. And he matches that picture to the author picture in the book that Michael was so interested in. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but that was in his secret file. So he's been interested in Atherton without knowing it was Atherton. He doesn't know it's Atherton because he, he does end up uh, going to Max's work and interrupting his boss from giving us a slideshow presentation of something that seems like it's much more important than how the show is treating us. Uh, apparently, Michael's boss at the... Nope. Nope. Max's boss at the UFO Center uh, has a piece of the alien spaceship I don't know if he has a piece or if it's just pictures of it. Okay. So apparently the aliens have this special type of metal that you can bend it and then it'll put itself back in its original shape and it can't be melted and it can't be a lot of different things. Uh, It's not easily affectable by any sort of human technologies. And so I'm like, okay, the amulet's made out of that, right? But the amulet's broken. But I, I think the amulet is made of that magical, mythical metal somehow. There you go. Prediction. Nice. Um, like you said, people are starting to pair off now. And listen, I thought this episode with Michael and Maria was adorable because Michael has been the stoic, had a hard life, doesn't take, you know, anything from anybody and is kind of hard and scary to approach. And um, in one of the scenes, Maria and Liz are talking. This is right after everybody's back. Oh, they drive through the night and everyone gets home right before school the next day. So nobody's parents realize they've been missing at all. So they don't have to deal with the fallout of that. Good job, them. Good timing. Um, and Liz and Maria are talking about like, well, what happened in the motel room? And Maria's like, nothing. Like they're nothing physical. Really cute. Happened. <laughs> nothing physical. She calls him. She's like, Michael is like what my mom would call a vibrator. He vibrates vibes out into the universe. And then Michael, a scene later, is just like, she's like a vibrator. She just puts these vibes out there, which I thought was cute. Maria and Liz are talking and Maria's like, great. So I'll see you at Max and, and Isabel's house after school. And Liz is going, uh, and Maria says, oh, because we're going to go through the files. And Liz kind of does this like, oh, of course I was invited. Of course I'll be there. Not a big deal. (laughs) And cut to Max, Isabel, and Michael in the Jeep heading to Max's house. And, and Michael's like, so we, we might need some help, I guess, going through these files. And they're kind of like, oh, are you going to ask Maria? He's like, well, I kind of already asked her. And I told her we'd pick her up. <laughs> and Isabel's like, Michael! <laughs> Michael! They're having a thing. They're having a thing. And um, they neither of them want to really admit it, though. So um, I got really excited thinking I'd seen a sign of the times in Isabel's bedroom. Uh, I thought she had a pink uh, iFruit computer 
which iFruits were the were the Big Mac desktops that would have a uh, bright, colorful plastic outside. Uh, no, unfortunately, she just has a normal big desktop computer. There's just a pink light reflected up onto it. And I was like, oh, Dang it. man, I love the iFruit Max. Let's see. So the kids come up with a sneaky plan uh, because they realize they're being followed all over town, not only by Miss Topolsky, but by also another agent. And Max finally says, oh, yeah, he might have been following us down to Texas. I just didn't want to worry anybody. And I'm like... You guys, you are obviously all in this together. You need to share information with each other. You cannot keep secrets from each other. Yep. At school, Liz, uh, this is the scene with Liz and Kyle inside the janitor's closet. Um, And she's like, we've, you know, we've got something to talk about. We need to talk about in private. And when they go in, he's like, it's ironic. We're in here. And then Liz goes, why is it ironic? And I shout at the screen, this is where you had your first kiss. And then Kyle goes, this is where we had our first kiss. I was like. (laughs) You know them better than they know themselves, Megan. Yep. We were watching, I think it was The Mandalorian as a family. And I kept guessing plot points. And my dad was like, how are you doing that? <laughs> and I'm like, edit is just stories. Stories go like, <laughs> stories go. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked Megan the other day, I said, because we will, we'll be sitting there. And she's like, this is going to happen next. Just stuff that none of us have seen before. And she's right all the time. No, I'm right like 70% of the time. I would say more like 93% of the time. <laughs> you flatter me. So I was like, When's the, what's the last thing that you watched that you were honestly surprised by? And you said... I've already forgotten. Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Into the Spider-Verse is so good. And I was surprised by how good it was because a lot of times stuff gets pretty formulaic and spider-verse wasn't i mean it had you know the same superhero beats and stuff but also the visuals were so gorgeous like all of the color especially during the final fight sequence and i'm like oh that's so beautiful the production design anyway (laughs) yeah so um liz is cyber bullying kyle in the janitor's closet No, that's not what she's doing. Uh, She's basically saying, you're not going to tell anybody, are you? You better not tell anybody. And I, I feel like this, they're setting Kyle up to like descend into villainy. What year are they in high school? Well, this was set in 99. So I'm assuming it's around that time sorry i mean are they like juniors seniors oh um i want to say juniors but i actually can't remember if the show has specifically stated that okay uh i feel like kyle's father is going to die uh as part of this alien research and then Kyle will become the main villain. And I'm like, is he old enough to become the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a new, it's a small town where you inherit your family's, your family's job. 
Listen, if you've watched the hit teen show, The Vampire Diaries, the founding <laughs> families of Mystic Falls have all had the same job for hundreds and hundreds of years. Keep it in the family. <sighs> anyway, Kyle is like, what were you doing out there? Is it drugs? Are you part of a cult? Or is it just about sex? And it's like, oh, K Kyle, buddy. And his feelings are obviously like really hurt. And he keeps getting dragged into it. And then people keep. <laughs> keep telling kyle his feelings are unimportant <laughs> poor lad poor Kyle. oh but he also like he's like i'm not going to you know i'm not going to tell i'm not going to tell anybody anything that'll put michael in danger and he pauses for a second and says not until i have something that can destroy him and liz looks like <sighs> do it again max i'm not doing <laughs> it again no, please. It's no. such a good line. You you all, you know who I'm talking about. We'll leave the correction in. <laughs> and like, it's kind of creepy the way he says it. And then he just leaves Liz alone in the janitorial closet. Real sad. Mm -hmm. Then we have the, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, you go. I was going to say we're moving into the next scene, which is uh, Miss Topolsky doing Tai Chi while Richard Schiff screams at her over the phone. And just about chokes on his lunch. And this is not a good leader, this man. Because because he has her state the purpose. Where she's like, I don't want it. Nothing can endanger my mission. And he goes, what? And she goes, our mission. He's like, it's not your mission. It's not our mission. It's my mission. And he gets very upset. And that's not good leadership he's quality. Big, cranky, angry. Yep. So I don't know if he's back in D.C., or what, but but he's not in Roswell anymore. He's mm -hmm. he is filming the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> they brought him back for this. What do you think of the UFO place? Like how? What do you mean? Oh, sorry, of this scene. Um, so we get some more information in this scene where sorry, where where are you? The UFO place. Oh yeah, so um, sheriff comes into the UFO center. And is asking questions of Max's boss, where he finds out that this Atherton guy disappeared in 1959. And um, he's asking a lot of pointed questions. And Max's boss is like, what is this all about? And Sheriff is saved in the nick of time because this guy's slideshow sets on fire. And uh, he doesn't have to answer any of his questions. <laughs> but we're connecting the pieces. Atherton. Atherton. Is important and he's dead. So that's kind of it. I find it interesting that they have pinned so much on this guy and he's a dead end. Literally. He's a literal dead end. Because he's dead and has ended. <laughs> so I find it interesting um, plot wise that everything they've kind of pinned their hopes and dreams on um, cannot give them the information that they are hoping for. And they're almost back at square one until they realize this pendant has um, significance to all of them. Because we mentioned the symbol, Max and Isabel drew it as kids. And when Michael sees the pendant for the first time, he's like, I know what that is. How do I know what that is? So here we're given another step. <laughs> what? This is not related to anything at all. But I was like, oh, man, 
when the FBI is going over Atherton's place, there's a very crucial piece of information that's gone missing, an artifact that they need. They are <laughs> missing the pendant. And I was like, Miss Independent. I don't know. Things things just keep getting smashed together in my brain all the time. That's what happens. The break-in. Sheriff is really suspicious. Like, he has it out for these kids and he's not even being subtle anymore. Like, <laughs> I think he thinks he's being subtle. And he's not. They drive up to their house. There's police tape all over it, and the door is smashed in. And they'd had a sweet moment with their mom earlier in the episode. And so when they pulled up and all this had happened and the sheriff's sheriff comes up to their car, leans in and just goes, I have some bad news for you. And I'm like, was their mom murdered? No. She like that makes murdered. sense because that is definitely the direction they were going. Yeah. Um, but they find out, you know, their house has been robbed. Isabel and Max run into Max's room because that's where the files are. And they are freaking out that they're gone. And then you turn in the sheriff standing in the doorway and he's like, like he has his arm on the frame and he's like, so what's going on? What's going on in here? Yeah, he calls them on it because they're like, oh, nothing's missing. And he's like, oh, like he's obviously there like pointing out all of their lies. Like, well, this room is ransacked real bad almost like they wanted to find something and and i'm like did the sheriff rob their house yeah he's talked to isabel he's like what's missing she goes oh i haven't been to my room yet and he's like you went to your brother's room before you went to your room like oh i've got you now and for me that moment was like yeah, like, I would want to do this together with someone. Like, if, okay, um, I had my car broken into when I, uh, the first year I was in L.A., someone broke into my car and stole, like, all of my stuff. And it was just, it was scary because it was in a locked parking garage. And I felt like, I would just get in my car and then I would just feel uneasy because I was like, someone was in here, someone I didn't know. They went through, like, all my things. They now have all this information about me because, like, they had stolen my wallet and I had to replace, like, everything that was in there. And it was just, ooh, a sense of unease and scariness. But my coworkers at work, happy ending to this story, because um, I had stayed home the day that it happened because I'm like, hey, I got to... I got to deal with all this stuff and I got to file a police report and I got to, uh, yeah. Police never even came and investigated. They just said, oh yeah, we've heard there's a lot of that in that area and just never contacted again. But anyway, when I did come back to work the following Monday, cause that had happened on a Thursday, I stayed home Friday, came back to work Monday. Uh, they had bought me a new purse and a new wallet and a new sketchbook and a planner to replace like as much of my stuff as they could. It was really sweet. I still use that wallet today. It's sweet. a treasure. I treasure it. Thanks, you guys. Can I also offer another story yes. about L.A. and your car? Okay, no. 
<laughs> no, you can't share that one. <laughs> no, you don't know that. No, this that's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Then. So, All right. Meg, I went to visit Meg. She took me out to dinner. No, this is the one you're not allowed to share. <laughs> no, I just find it hilarious. Okay, go for it. So we come back out and... I think we said this before, Meg's car at the time did not have air conditioning, so we're driving with all the windows down in the heat of L.A., even though it's nighttime. We go and have dinner, come out, and we realize all of her windows are rolled down. <laughs> we just left her car out, outside, with the windows rolled down, and everything was fine. Nobody took anything. So, But I'll cut that story if you want me to. No, you can leave it in. <laughs> um, I, uh... What story were you thinking of? When you took the director in your car with no air oh, conditioning? I think we've already told them that one. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Well, also my old car, because I thought I had left my car unlocked and that's how someone was able to like get in and steal all my stuff. But it turns out if you have shoelaces, you can get into my model of car. I learned how to break into my own car because several times I would like lock my keys in there. And one time I was pitching a project at a major studio and I come back out and my car is locked but I know how to get in if I have shoelaces <laughs> so I called the executive I had just pitched to because they were the only person I knew at that studio at the time and I said okay this is kind of out of the blue can I borrow your shoelaces <laughs> and he's like excuse me and I'm like I need to break into my own car <laughs> like i'm in a meeting i'm like cool cool no worries i ended up getting them from someone else but uh yeah um did not sell that show <laughs> but i'm still friends with that executive and we've we've laughed about that story since <laughs> <laughs> oh man well speaking of cars <laughs> there's a car chase in this episode um where they're trying to throw Miss Topolsky off their trail because she's following them. And they drop Liz and Max off at the movie theater. Max and Liz go through the movie theater and around the back to jump into, you know, another, into Maria's car. Michael and Isabel take Miss Topolsky on a wild goose chase through the city, careening around corners in this Jeep that handles the corners really well. Miss Topolsky is in this Plymouth sedan and this car is a menace on the street <laughs> but uh she's just chasing him like like there's no one else on the street obviously on this lot but but they are like tearing through the streets and, and so funny. this town new mexico very dry like they're in a desert desert but emily what was interesting about the nighttime streets in this chase scene so they were all wet they all had water all over them and listen, I'm a normal viewer. I didn't notice anything. But Megan's like, oh, that's what they do in movies. It, at night shoots, when they need the road to show up, is they spray it with water. Because then it reflects all the lights instead of just absorbing them. So there you go. Very cool. Um, Mr. Polsky gets pulled over by the sheriff. Ugh, and they flirt. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Um, She's like, do you always do traffic stops when you're off duty or something like that yeah because she she calls him she calls him out on him 
pulling her over when he's obviously off duty and he's like well I do it when they blow through three red lights and run all the stop signs and go 70 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone like lady you're caught you were doing something you weren't supposed to and you're caught and she and the sheriff go out for drinks what a horrible sheriff (laughs) bad at the law Bad at the law. Um, so while they're doing that, um, the kids, the remaining kids, Maria, Isabel, and Michael, hang, hanging out at the Crashdown Cafe after hours. And Michael's just helping himself to everything that's there. Including chocolate cake with a ton of Tabasco. And Meg, we find out here why they put Tabasco on everything. And it's not that they put it on everything. If I had been paying better attention, they put Tabasco on stuff that's very, very sweet. So in earlier episodes, we said, oh, wait, no, they put it on their tacos too. Okay. Okay. I was like, did I miss something? But they've like put it in their soda pop and things before. And their favorite little dietary quirk is they love things that are both very sweet and very spicy together. Which I feel that's like super up your alley. No. No? Not sweet and spice. I like sweet and salty. So we're recording a different podcast the other day and I'm like, what are you drinking? It looks like yogurt. It was a milkshake. Well, okay, it wasn't a milkshake. It was like uh, a float, but instead of root beer, it was ginger ale. And I put a little lime juice in it too. And Emily's like, that's disgusting. And I don't know why, but I reacted really strongly to it. (laughs) Well, because people don't normally think of fruit-like drinks with vanilla ice cream, which I don't know why, because you have fruit pie with vanilla ice cream all the time. Just have to open your mind to the possibilities. So this is where they haven't heard back from Liz and Max, and everybody is really worried and on edge because Max and Liz went to the reservation again to get more answers about the pendant. Um, And Maria just like needles and pushes Michael about like, I don't know, you're a guy, make me feel better. And that's when they kiss. And it's a very good kiss, you guys. Once they started yelling at each other, I'm like, so this is the scene where they kiss, right? They're going to do that thing where they're fighting and then they just stop fighting and start kissing. And Emily's like, Could you just enjoy a show for two minutes? (laughs) And so they kiss, they look at each other, and they're like, great. And they turn and walk away because they obviously don't know how to handle all their feelings about this at this time. Sheriff comes to Miss Topolsky's office to flirt with her more. Oh, wait, no, that was earlier. That was earlier. Oh, Emily, we've completely missed Liz's first visit to the reservation. We did. I'm so sorry. So uh, Liz goes to, she decides because everyone's keeping such a tight eye on the alien kids that it would be safest if she went to the reservation on her own. And she just goes to this tourist trap tchotchke selling Pueblo style house. And they clearly don't have, like, a big set for it. They have to shoot it all in exterior. And all of the shots in this scene are fielded very close. Like, not even, like, shoulders up. Sometimes it's just, like, the neck and head. So just, like, extremely close. Um, 
everything about this is uncomfortable. So she goes there and there's this uh, woman who runs the establishment who clearly is there to like wink at the audience to be like, oh, ho, ho, you think we're doing an inappropriate, rude depiction, but really we know what we're doing. We're putting a hat on it where um, this lady cracks a couple jokes about... Liz has her pendant. She says, do you recognize this symbol? And the lady's like, oh, it is the tree of knowledge. And then she laughs. She's like, I'm kidding. I have no idea what it is, but it looks pretty old. And so this is this is playing on a trope of having like the mystic, you know, all Native Americans are mystical and magical and so connected with the earth and nature, which is a negative trope, an overused stereotype. And it was weird that they... I don't know, that they, like, leaned so hard into it and then they, like, laughed it off to show it was a joke. But then they introduce another character who that's his only role is to be this mystical guide to show Liz and eventually Max, um, like, the truth of what happened. And the first visit, as Liz is going back into her car, um, one of the men on the reservation stop her, and his name is River Dog. His name is, is the title of the episode. So there you go, title drop. And he warns her that this amulet brings only death. And it's like, how did you know to come here? Were you followed? And so she leaves. She's in the Crash Down Cafe the next day. And I'm looking at the whiteboard menu. And I'm like, are we going to find out another funny name for something on the menu. And I'm like, oh no, it's just, it looks like it's Comet Chili again. So my brain's instantly like, okay, we're not gonna learn anything else that's on the menu. Uh, another guy from the reservation comes into the store. We'll find out his name is Eddie. How old do you think he is? Late 20s? Late 20s, early 30s, yeah. And she's like, what can I get you? And he's like, I think I'll try the, and then he reads an item off the menu that has a slur for Native Americans in the name as a pun. And it, he says it deadpan and Liz starts stammering and being like, oh, I, I, I've I, been trying to get them to take that off the menu. And he says, thanks for the effort. My people are indebted. We're like, again, they bring up in a joke that, hey, we know how awful the treatment of these people are. Just so everybody knows that we know that, we're going to go ahead and make jokes about it. I just didn't like it. It was bad. It was. Thumbs down, Roswell. Um, but Eddie says, he hey. He brings her the missing piece of the amulet. <laughs> A piece that up until now was <laughs> missing the pendant. <laughs> <laughs> It's this this missing broken piece is like the size of my thumbnail, and the rest of the pendant is huge. And as I'm watching this, I'm just like, why would you keep something that small for how many years until it could be? I don't know. Put don't back know. together. Yeah. Um, I was actually expecting something to happen when they put the two pieces together. See, I was thinking. I I agree. Um. What Max's boss was talking about at the UFO Center, about this magical type of metal, sorry, mystical type of metal, um, I thought the pieces of the amulet would, like, be made of this metal and just instantly bond back together. But they didn't. (laughs) Which makes me think, 
which makes me afraid still that that this missing piece is going to be taken by somebody at some point. Like I think either the FBI or the sheriff is going to get a hold of this missing piece. Um, fun trivia fact: there is a movie theater in town, and there are two movies that are playing this week in Roswell. The first one is The Lady Vanishes, and the second one is The Secret Agent. And I think it's a, I think it's about Mr. Polsky, because now that her cover's blown, the like helpful, friendly guidance counselor is gone, and now she's just that dedicated FBI agent. That's very cool. I would love to watch these episodes with commentary, like a commentary track going. I think that would be really cool. Oh. So I bought the 16-season box set of Bones, hoping that this would mean a ton of bonus features. Like, six episodes total have a commentary track. Oh, that's so disappointing. It is disappointing. When I run a show, I'm going to make commentary (laughs) tracks for everything. And the studio is going to be like, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, I love it. Anyway, more commentary tracks, please. But yeah, so so this is the point where there's the there's the big car chase and we do the car switcheroo. Um and Max and Liz go back out to meet Eddie and to meet River Dog and he uh takes them to this cavern and now a new alien power is revealed. He cups his hands and he creates light. And apparently that was the test. If he could do that, then he was an alien. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was specifically light or if just the test was because Eddie says, oh, yeah, you have to pass a test before River Dog will give you more answers. Um, And I, I don't know if it was specifically light or if they just needed Max to manipulate some sort of molecules. Um, cause there's a bit where they're lost in the dark and Liz's flashlight goes out and Max goes, Liz, where are you? And Liz just screams. And so I think that was a rewrite because we've got Max holding the light in his hands and he says, let her go. And then we pan up to his face. And because the, the dialogue happened while his face was off screen, I feel like there was more that went on down here, but they had to like cut some of it or rewrite some of it. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I don't think that audio take came from this visual take. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so now they have torches. They just had Max's hand light. Now they have torches and they find that there are symbols written all over the cave. And Max is like, he basically says like, this all looks so familiar, like I know it, but can't remember it. And so he's looking at all the symbols, which is kind of what happened with the pendant where he and um, Isabel had clearly known this symbol and had drawn it before, but they don't know what it means. And so he's trying to look through all the symbols that are in the cave. And he thinks it's the alien language, his language, I guess. And River Dog tells them that, you know, the the one who is here basically was does he say he was an alien? Where he but just like he was different? I don't know if he specifically says he was an alien. 
but he was afraid he was going to be found, so he he left. What happens exactly in this cave scene? They t- they talk about Atherton. Okay, well, okay, so so we're at the cave scene. Max has made some light in his hands. We cut back to the scene with Fer- Ferris. No, the sheriff. Brain mixed up those letters. The sheriff and Miss Topolsky on their weird, like, little interrogation date where they're flirting so hard. Because he's like, you know, what do you do on your time off besides work out and shopping at the health food aisle? And she's like, how long have you been following me, Sheriff? Anyway, I think he's really into her because of the violence of getting kicked in the head. I think he found that extremely attractive. And that's why he's he has a concussion. Yeah. (laughs) Although I got to say, these two actors are doing a great job of these two people who are both flirting to get what they want but there's that added layer of the other person knows that you're flirting with them just to get what you want that there was like and it was a really interesting it was a really layered performance in that scene props to both of those actors for having such like a threatening first date but it ends with he says he's going to tell her boss that her cover's been blown and he knows that she's an fbi agent and he's made her as we've seen, uh, she does not have a good relationship with her boss. And so clearly that would be like a huge setback for her. And so she proposes a trade of information. And I think here is where we we finally confirm that she's the one who stole the box. But anyway, we cut back to the cave. All of a sudden, there's these four gigantic lit torches planted into the ground. I wonder, because like the cave is so small. Uh I wonder if this is, like, one of the sets they used on Star Trek. You know, like, anytime they would, like, beam down into a cave, like, uh, some of the actors from Voyager, like, we just used the same cave for every (laughs) single season we were ever on. (laughs) Uh, This is where he reveals that Atherton was murdered. The man killed him, this mystery man who, who wrote the stuff on the walls. And then... Uh, when he says the man killed him, he and Liz both look to Max, who's like, maybe he was defending himself. <laughs> like, don't disparage someone that might be, you know, exactly yeah. what I am. And then uh, Riverdog says that he was too far away to see what really happened. But when he reached them both, Atherton was dead. And I, I again feel that a lot. Do you know what? What? I think this might have been two episodes that they've cut up and spliced together to make a new episode. Oh. Maybe. From 285 South to this one? Yeah, like maybe 285 South was a two-parter. Or maybe they had written two separate storylines and then they got, you know, cut together more. They realize it was too much for one episode. Yeah, some of the weird jumps and cuts. Like I said, how there's four giant uh, torches planted into the ground. Mm-hmm. Riverdog pulls out a fifth torch and lights it and leads them further down into the cave. And we're seeing the writing on the wall. Uh, but this, this mysterious man who may or may not have killed Atherton, he just left town because he felt people were so close to finding him. So we don't, we don't know. Yeah, and, and basically the guy's like, okay, like, that's the story. Riverdog says that's pretty much the story. And Max says, can I come back? 
And River Dog says, no, I fulfilled my promise. I have nothing more to teach you. Like, basically, this is another dead end. So I find it interesting that Atherton died. They lost all their information. The pendant leads to another dead end. But there's a little bit of, like, they still have more to discover. And I feel like at this point, it's kind of difficult because every discovery they make is a dead end. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, I still want to find out what happens, obviously. But I just find it interesting that every time that they get a little closer, they have to go on another quest. Yeah. It, it's not like they're finding solutions to a new pro- to a new problem. And it's not even taking three steps forward and one step back. It's constant dead ends. And then we very luckily find one more piece. Like if, if Isabel hadn't decided to take that amulet, if the deputy hadn't happened to comment on it, it really would have been, there would have been no way for them to move forward. And I know that as you're writing a story like this, you do want your characters to have to struggle to get what they want. Like they shouldn't just get all the answers. But I agree with you. It it feels they could be interconnected in a way that feels like progress instead of like surprises. Mm-hmm. Because every every journey we go on, it's built up to be like, this is where we will find all the answers. And we don't find any answers except someone else has them and we have to go find them. But we are going to have all of the answers. And so I don't know that I've seen all of these first season episodes. We're kind of getting into the episodes that I haven't really seen. So it's interesting to me because I know it happens down the road. And it's just interesting to me. Just I want to see how they get to that point. Uh... So there's a bunch of strange paintings on the wall, and their theory is that it's some other language. There is one word that's focused on in particular. Basically, it looks like stylized versions of, uh, I'm just saying this, Emily, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like it says O-C-X-L-E-V, but like weird alien letters and stuff. So I'm going to guess that that really says family or warning i'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong the episode ends with river dog realizing that liz is not an alien and telling her basically not be careful but like he's worthy of your trust max is like come on come on and he and liz take hands hold hands and walk out of the cave that's the end of the episode and so there that's where i was like wait what that's where it ends it's just a weird place to end it because the the walking down the the hallway didn't take a lot of time. It, I thought they were fading out into a new scene that would have wrapped everything up where they went and told people, well, this is what happened. This is what we found. But mm, that's not what happened. Yeah. So my theory, again, is that there was either two episodes that have been cut into one or there's more of this episode that got edited out, maybe. That is the end of River Dog. Meg, the next episode is called Blood Brother or Blood Brothers. I'm not sure if it's plural or singular. Let me find out really fast. That doesn't raise my hopes very much for more positive Native American representation. Well, guess we'll find out next week when I yell about it some more, maybe. What do you think uh, this episode is going to be about? 
Uh, okay. I'll be honest. I read the first. I read the summary of the first sentence. I told you not to do that, Megan. No, you told me not to do that for this one. I told you not to do it. I just clicked it to see what the next. Oh no, Megan! To see what the next episode was called, and it didn't give me the title. It just gave me the summary. Oh, Megan! But I, I just stopped after it says Max gets in a car crash. Okay, okay, that's that's okay then, I guess. And listen, I know they can heal super fast, but a car crash seems pretty extravagant. Does Michael have to give him a blood transfusion of magic alien blood? Magic molecule molecular uh <laughs> Well, we'll just have to see with the next episode, won't we? All right. Well, I got to get back to storyboarding. I have to get back to writing my book. I believe in you. I believe in you. I love you. Oh, you too. <laughs> We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It. We hope you enjoyed the show. In between episodes, you can find us at Sis Made Me View It on Twitter, Instagram, or you can email us at our Gmail account, Sis Made Me View It. All one word, no spaces, nothing fancy. Uh, anyways, thanks again for stopping by, and special thanks to Michael Biancardi for his use of his song, A Passing Storm. You guys are great. Thanks so much. See you next week. Bye!